Hello, it's Christiana with Home Small Home. Thanks for joining me with this episode. I talked to Allie and Ashton Allen, my friends and neighbors at Ferguson's Airstream Trailer Park. Hope you enjoy. about your recent decision to move full-time into a tiny home from LA area and we're downtown Las Vegas in the Ferguson's trailer park tiny home village how did you end up here in the first place well we've he was here before I was originally and we since then have we never really left fully, um, but we recently decided to come back full time because we were living in LA and we realized that we were paying a ton in rent and every month um, kind of questioning why we were in LA because originally we went, we both went there for particular jobs. I went there because I got a job with Universal Music and he um, and his business partner were opening a studio in LA. So both of us had jobs at brick and mortar locations. So we had to physically be in a certain place. And kind of from the moment that started, for me, it was really difficult because I was working remotely before we went to Los Angeles. And, and it wasn't a great fit for me at mm-hmm. Universal. So I was starting to look for ways to get out of that and get back into working kind of in that remote remote life of being able to kind of be wherever I wanted to be and and um, have that flexibility. And so we both made that a goal because we both wanted that. And then in November of last year, we finally both got to that place. I love it. Yeah, and originally... Um, I was living in an apartment downtown at Jewel, and Tony was sending out messages, text messages to friends, um, and saying, would you ever consider living in an Airstream? And, you know, this has happened to me before, and I lived in Florida, and he was like, would you ever consider moving to Las Vegas? (laughs) (laughs) And I said the same thing then that I said when he asked about the Airstream, which was, no. (laughs) Um... You know, I'd spent 10 years traveling around the country with a band in tour buses and trailers, and I didn't have any interest in coming back to that lifestyle. Um, But he's also very persistent and asked again, I think he was like, well, would you try it for a week? Yeah, just try it. Just try it out. And I was at a place in my life where I was ready actually to stop paying as much rent as I was for a big one bedroom apartment. I was trying to, I was starting to accumulate stuff Mm -hmm. and I didn't like how it felt. 
So it was a great opportunity to scale back down and get rid of a lot of that stuff and store some stuff and tried it for a week and then I was addicted. I was just like, this is great. Not only because it was a lot simpler, but because of, uh, especially because of the space it gave me to um, grow socially and it felt like a safe space where I could, um, you know, I like living alone and at that time in my life I had become more of a hermit. Mm -hmm. almost uh was a little more uh, of an introvert and that can be dangerous when you're living alone um because you stop going out you stop connecting Mm -hmm. and the airstream park or lamalopolis as it was originally called in the first park was great because it the whole concept gave you a safe space to engage when you wanted to and kind of retreat to your space private space when you wanted to and um so i grew a lot from that and then we started dating um, she would come to visit me, and one of the first things I ever said to her was, she was like, oh, where where are you in Vegas? And I was like, I live in a trailer park. <laughs> and she's like, oh, great. <laughs> um, but ultimately, you know, when she came to visit, we had such a great time. And I think one of my favorite things about our adventure has been how open we both are to um, to travel and to unique opportunities for living and unique ways to live and um, instead of just taking the standard path, and this certainly uh, fits that um, really well. And so, um, when we finally were able to be remote, we were we couldn't wait to get back and have Vegas be our home base. Mm-hmm. Um, we plan on doing some traveling and doing uh, what's called. We found out there's a term. It's called mini lives, and we're oh. going to be living some mini lives <laughs> in various cities on the West Coast um, when we're not here in downtown Vegas this year. But living in the Airstream really is kind of the perfect setup for that, especially in this scenario, because, you know, we put all of our stuff away in storage, Mm -hmm. and we've made this our home base, Mm -hmm. and as we go to these other cities, and we set up camp for a few weeks to a month at a time, and we're living out of Airbnbs, I mean, we're going to be out of suitcases then, too, so... Um, being able to come back here and have our home base be a tiny house that's manageable and, you know, is good to go when we're, we're back in town and doesn't require all the upkeep of, of a house or an apartment that we would own is perfect. Very smart. So will you be going and then coming back mm-hmm. to each city? Mm-hmm. One and one? And I think one. there's only one um, run that we might do. And everything's sort of sketched out. We're just taking one at a time. Like we'll be in Denver for a good portion of March, tying in some snowboarding on the weekends, and um, there's it's also very strategic for my work because a lot of the markets that we do business in are these um, more middle-sized cities uh, like Denver, or Phoenix, or um, Salt Lake City, Vancouver, Seattle, Portland, um, those types of places um, where it's great to build relationships and have face time with clients and potential clients. Um, so it's good to spend real time in those cities and also to explore all those cities have to offer in more than just, let's say, a weekend or a long weekend. Mm-hmm. So we can actually kind of just do regular life there and then take it in and then come back and regroup and reroute and spend time with our community and and design up our next little adventure. Mm-hmm. So, Perfect. And at some point during all of this, we're getting married. Yeah. Yes. Congratulations <laughs> again. That's exciting. So are you planning, you're planning a lot then, a wedding and destinations and 
It's a big year. <laughs> yeah, one big honeymoon. Yeah, yeah. I, I love it. Too. I love it. Yeah. Have you both always been pretty adventurous then, or was the well, I guess to move into an airstream, you have been, but has it grown since that move? Just like, your why not? Yeah, I mean, I'd say he's probably been pretty adventurous most of his life with being in the band and being on the road and then being willing to give up everything and move to Vegas for this crazy, amazing project that he was a part of. And um, for me, before that, I was the craziest thing that I did was started working from home. I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. like I I'm grew up in Orlando and, and I lived in Orlando for most of my life with the exception of a couple of years in, in high school. My family moved overseas and, and I'm a short stint in Texas. But other than that, I hadn't done a lot of moving around. I'd done a lot of traveling. And so I say that's definitely scratching an itch for me that I've never been able to before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love it. I'm really excited. And growing up, were you in all different houses or apartments or small spaces, big, big spaces? Yeah, for me, I was, I grew up for the most part in like regular houses in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Living small was not something that I had really ever done before outside of living in an apartment in Europe for a bit, which I guess you could call small, but it's nothing compared to two people living in an airstream. So, mm-hmm. um, but I'll say the first time that I ever experienced what it was like to live in a tiny home or, or, you know, in an Airstream was when I started dating Ashton and I came to Vegas to stay with him. I would come and stay with him for a couple of weeks to a month at a time. And I remember at first thinking, oh, there's no way. Like, there's no way I could. She'd be this. like, this is fun and all, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for short <stint. laughs> Yeah. But then after a while, I started to realize, like, it, it's really doable and it's really freeing to not have all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and it's. And it's actually, the Airstreams are surprisingly, like, they have a lot of storage space. You wouldn't expect them to, but you can, you can really kind of put your life together really strategically in all those little cubbies. So I, I've grown to love it and being back here has been awesome. And I feel like I feel more at home here than I did in our apartment Mm -hmm. because I feel like it, it's kind of, it hugs you. Yeah. It's cozy. Mm -hmm. So, so what changed when you first visited the Airstream? Did you get more strategic on where to put your stuff when you first said no way and then you warmed up to it? What, what process do you think you went through? So I think it just took time actually doing normal life mm-hmm. out of the Airstream. Because at first I would visit and it was like I was on vacation and, and we were just starting dating, just starting to date. So we were, you know, in our quote unquote honeymoon period. And so it was like a big long vacation every time I would come to visit. And then, you know, we, we started to, we stayed together obviously. And so I started to come here and, and work from here and we would have to go to the grocery store and cook meals and, and just live day to day. And, and it was once we actually got into doing some of that, that I realized how, doable it actually is Mm -hmm. I really only have one complaint 
about living in a That was going to be one of my questions. Yeah. What, what is it? <laughs> the shower head isn't tall enough for me. <laughs> ah, we could rig something up. Yeah. I'd say that's the only thing. But that's also because I'm tall. So. How tall are you? She's like 6'9". No. <laughs> for all you listeners. No. I'm, you. Just, I'm just under 5'10". Uh-huh. That's yeah. a nice height. Now it's going to be my mission to find you an adjustable shower head. (laughs) Yeah, there's a finite amount of space above my head in the shower, so it's it's interesting. I mean, I mean, it works, but I'd say it's my only thing. Wow, the only one. That's impressive. Do you ever feel like you're kind of jostling for room, or do you have your own airstream dance within there? Because I'm in here most. I live here part time, so I'm here most of the time with my dog and myself, and then I go up north to see my husband so I'm used to the space and I I just always wonder about maneuvering I think it's both I think there's a little bit of a dance that you kind of start to do automatically I mean I've seen it parodied on you know TV shows (laughs) and the tiny home living and how ridiculous it really is or whatever but it's a bit of like a dance that sort of happens naturally and then there are times too where like you know we'll both want to watch TV and we'll eat on the same side of the table and we'll both you know be like but um but i mean i don't know i think it teaches you a lot and you learn a lot and i i think i see this as a season for us and and that could extend as long as we want it to Mm -hmm. so we're very open but because it's like that and because we're not saying hey um this is our life and we're gonna live in an airstream for the rest of our life it just feels like there doesn't feel i don't feel confined by the idea of even living in an airstream as long as uh, I would have to or want, which actually has us ending up maybe staying in there longer because you kind of just feel like it's fun it's an adventure and and you could go get an apartment anytime take your stuff out of storage you can go get a house you can go do these things you can go live normal or you know yeah. anytime and so um, which kind of I don't know reminds me like last night we were sitting there and I said to her, all of a sudden I was like, I re-realize how awesome it is and how fun it is. And I was like, we live in a fort. It's like so fun. But <laughs> yeah. I get so used to it, like from being at the park for a couple of years and now being at the new park mm-hmm. and now being with her, like, it's like, oh, it's like we're back in the Airstream and have a mentality of like, oh, I'm back in the Airstream and this is very familiar. Yes. But, you know, when someone comes to visit or someone stays in one for the first time, like her friend Sarah's coming to see us next week and she's going to be staying here at the park she's going to flip and she's going to love it and think it's so incredible and she's going to have her own place and you know and that feeling it's just a matter of getting too familiar with your surroundings right you can you can re-feel what it's like to have your car be, be brand new if you just like get it washed detailed and then sit it and go like actually this is all really awesome you know mm-hmm. or you can just be like oh it's my car right you know and I think it's just that perspective of like hearing a song for the first time again and all over again I can look around my airstream and be like what a strange life we have, you know? <laughs> yes. Um, and I think that's fun, too. Yeah. So. And I, at first, when we were talking about um, coming back and living at the Airstream Park, one of the th- concerns that I had was, like, well, you know, before, when we were living there, um, it was him and his cat lived in the Airstream, and mm-hmm. I would come to visit. But I also have a dog, and so when we were coming back, it's like, okay, well, there are going to be four of us in there now. Um, and Sadie, the cat is not going to have the place to herself. And how is she going to feel about that? 
and Loda the dog loves Sadie, but um, I think Sadie just kind of tolerates Loda. Right. <laughs> um, and so we were kind of, you know, how do you work that out? Where do you put the litter box? Where do you put the dog bowls? Like, how are they going to coexist? And I think we it's we've been really lucky because it's been super smooth and they're great and I think they actually love being in the airstream they both have spent time in there on and off because we've been coming back part-time for a while so Lotus had a chance to experience it and I think the community in general I mean every everyone has dogs Mm -hmm. the dogs are always running around and so for her I mean it's paradise yeah and I really think Sadie likes it too. I think she just, well, she got downgraded though, because she, at the old park, she had this incredible contraption, which I got nicknamed something actually kind of X-rated. But, um, uh, you have to tell me later. Yeah. But, uh, but there was this great tunnel that ran out the back of the Airstream and it ran around the, and it went all the way to the front. And then there was this huge, like, it was as tall as the Airstream was, this huge, uh, I don't know, what, what would you call it? Enclosure. Enclosure where she had four different levels to play on and hang out and see everybody and people would take Instagram photos with her and you know and I could go out of town for a week or two or whatever and know she could come inside and outside whenever she wanted um, and so now she she's been reduced for the time being anyway to the trunk where we have her litter box and her food uh, and so she gets to go out there but uh, she doesn't get to go outside anymore quite yet Aww. but we'll see if, if you know, we'll build her something yeah yeah <laughs> That was going to be my question. Where is the litter box and the dog bowls? Yeah. 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 She, her litter box is in the trunk and there's a little hole under the bed for her to go out. I see. And, um, her bowls are under the bed, which is another kind of little fort area for her. Um, and then Lotus dog bowls are right in the living room. (laughs) (laughs) Right there. (laughs) Under the dinette. Uh, actually she, her bed is under the Oh yeah, which is yeah, really nice. Cool. Yeah, if it's perfect. That was a new there. upgrade. That was a new adjustment we just made the other day. Because we, we used to, we were just keeping it on the couch, and all of a sudden we're like, "What if we put this up under the table? Then like she'd be there when we're working right next to us, and mm-hmm. and she could sleep kind of cozy in between the two seats." And we moved her bed, and you know she's forty forty pound dog, so she had you know decent little size bed. And when we moved it, we're like. Oh my gosh, this couch is huge now. We're like, yeah. like she's taking up the best spot on the couch, the corner. So now we're like constantly in the corner of the couch, like this is awesome. Yeah, it's like we have so much space. So much space. space. It's like yeah. you get back like three square feet, and you're like, whoa! Wow. Yeah, isn't that funny? I love it. Well, when you downsized from the apartment and the jewel, uh, was that hard for you to do? Did you donate and? stuff. I did. Mm-hmm. And it was great. Um, you know, like I, I moved into Jewel at the time and, uh, you know, and got some big bachelor pad cause I'd gotten out of this, uh, just gone through a breakup and I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to go treat myself and get my own apartment and do this whole bit. And, and so I got an apartment that was bigger than I needed and I got started getting more stuff than I needed. And, um, you know, I was regrouping and, and the timing was actually perfect for the invite. Um, Tony has a way about that, actually. You know, he has certain, tends to have a vision and s- suggest what people really actually need. It's really strange. I don't know if you've ever subtly. He's very subtle. Very subtle, but that you don't realize it until later. You're like, wow. Like, did he know that I really needed? You know. <laughs> uh, anyway, but um, so yes, yeah, so I threw my stuff in storage, and it 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 was very easy 
actually, once I decided to do it, and the timing was great, like I said, so it was felt healthy, uh, felt fresh, and, um, and like she said, I, you know, the only time I've ever been in an office in my entire life was the one year that Downtown Project actually had an office, um, of the three years that I was there, and, you know, I went into an office every day for one year, but but it was an office full of dreamers and we were building a city or, you know, mm-hmm. or at least painting on top of one. And so other than that, I've always been on the road. I've always traveled with, you know, small spaces with a bunch of people. And, um, so in that way, this lifestyle has just been a continuing adventure and it fits like a glove. And I feel blessed for it because, you know, at some point when you're, you know, chasing around, the tiger tail trying to be a rock star you kind of say okay well this is over now you know and I'm gonna need to have more of a normal life quote unquote (laughs) and then you know you get an opportunity to move to Vegas and be a part of uh, a revitalization project and then you get a chance to live in the Airstream community and you're just like okay like at this point you know I'm 43 years old so at this point I'm saying I'm just my thing is just to stay out of my own way and trust the process because I already know by this time like you know I've spent half my life just going from adventure to adventure and now I get to have her with me oh. and so we can just you know I think she sees it too it's like all I, I told her when we first started dating I was like do you want to go on an adventure with me and that's what I wanted our relationship to feel like and so at this point it's just trusting the fact that there'll be another new one around the corner I just don't know what it is or where it is and it could be here for a while um, a long while or it could be here for another year or two or you know there's no telling just staying open to that I guess and um, and listening for mm-hmm. you know when opportunity calls and that kind of thing but, so know. when you say listening just being open to different situations or I think that's the one of the few gifts or talents I've ever could say that I have um, I think there are plenty of people that do plenty of things better than I do but think when it comes to listening um I'd love to listen and I guess when I say that I mean paying attention to life's nudges or paying attention to directional whispers um and then whether you feel qualified enough for them or not having the courage to step through that space and see what's on the other side step through that door and see what's on the other side and and so it's there's nothing I don't think there's anything gallant about it because truthfully most of the time I have those opportunities I don't feel qualified for whatever I feel like I can't do that like but I just feel pulled to do it anyway and that's just something that I have within me and I don't know why and it's actually sometimes very exhausting because a lot of times I'm just like I can't do that but I'm gonna do it why am I gonna do it I don't have to do it you know (laughs) but I think a lot of people who are like I can't do that I don't have to do it I'm not gonna do it you know and I think I'm grateful for the part of me that's part that's within me that's like do it anyway you know try it anyway go for it you know whatever I'm I'm, I'm addicted to that part of it even though it, it's you know it takes a lot out of you sometimes uh-huh. first the listening part do you think that's something that can be honed by people that don't have that skill as strong as you that's a good question what do you think I, I when I'm around an active listener it's like a dream come true and I think because it's all too rare I think it's so, uh, it stands out to me. It's, 
and you know, and I'm not just talking about listening to people, obviously, but but I think that's part of it. Like really listening to someone, not waiting for your chance to talk, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know, that's a good question. Can I guess so? I guess people can retrain their brains to do anything. Yeah, I think so. I think I think it's partially about opening yourself up to to those types of opportunities too, because that. I would say for most of my life I probably wasn't because I had this idea of what I was supposed to be doing. I was supposed to go to college, I was supposed to get a job, I was supposed to work, and I'm supposed to, like, there's steps in life, you know, and, and I was supposed to follow those steps. And and I think, I mean, I went through, I went through a, a time in my life when I had to completely rebuild um, from the ground up, and, like, I, uh, I was in a relationship that ended, and and it was sort of one of those things that, you know, my entire life was kind of built around that. All the people I associated with, the, the town that I lived in, everything was kind of built around this one thing that I had kind of set up my identity around. And that falling apart was a catalyst for me to try and do things differently um, and, and notice opportunities that I hadn't let myself notice before because I was starting from scratch and it was one of those things where one of those times in your life where um I had someone I think my mom said to me I was kind of at my lowest point and I was miserable and I had no idea what the next step was and and she said to me well you can do anything you want and it was one of those things and it was one of those moments in life where it was like I realized she was right. I could do anything I wanted with my career, with where I lived, with the way I live my life, anything I wanted. And it was really freeing and made me realize there's a whole great big world out there and I should start paying attention to when opportunity knocks because sometimes it's subtle and and someone will mention something in a conversation and, and you kind of have to drive it yourself a little bit to see where things go. But it's life-changing when you start to pay. I love it. Do you think that's a skill that can be honed is actually going for it, finding the courage and saying yes to things? Um, do you think you know when you have, absolutely have to do something, an opportunity, when someone can find the strength? I mean, what advice would you give to someone that wants to do something similar to what you two are doing but have some fear or reluctance or think that, oh, that's so out of the norm? I could never do that. Do you have advice on, kind of like your mom gave to you, yeah. do you have advice for other people? I would say that if you have an idea about something that you want to try, if you want to live mini lives, or if you want to get rid of all your stuff and move into a tiny house or an Airstream, surround yourself with people who are supportive and open and aren't the naysayers aren't the people who are falling in line with the steps that you're supposed to follow in life um, and surround yourself with the people who are kind of open-minded and are going to encourage you to try new things that was a game changer for me um, and I mean Ashton does that for me all the time now like I, there there have been so many times even since he and I have been together where I've been faced with a potential opportunity that I'm really scared to go after and he's pushed me to do that he's 
he's helped me to be brave or he's encouraged me to see what I don't see in myself or in the opportunity and what it could become. And, and so I think surrounding yourself with those types of people who are motivating and who really listen to you and who aren't going to immediately call you crazy, <laughs> those, are, those are valuable people. Have you read that post? I don't know if it was on Facebook or what, but I think it was Will Smith, and he talked about um, the fear. I think it was Will Smith, the fear of um, the the process of jumping out of a plane. No. And how he had always had this huge fear of jumping out of a plane, I believe. And his friend said, "You know, we're gonna go. I'll jump out of a plane." He was like, "Oh yeah, okay, yeah, you know, sure, I'll do that." And it was weeks leading up to it, so he's like, "Okay, I can agree to that." Yeah. And as it's leading up, his fear is building, and it's getting more real. And he walks you through the process of going to the plane, getting on the plane, going to the plane. He can't believe he's doing this. They get him set. They get him ready. And he freezes up and he's like, I can't do this, you know. And it's this, it presents this picture of us standing there facing our fear in front of us, the unknown behind it, and, and creating, the fear is like, is you creating everything, you know, negative that may be on the other side before it happens. And he says this phenomenon happens, and he relates it to life, where the second you jump, you realize what's on the other side, and what's on the other side is everything. And he said that that's the, that's an analogy for, for everything in life. It's an analogy for faith. It's an analogy for, um, like, you don't get to have everything on the other side until you jump. Mm-hmm. And that's the irony, or that's the... You know, that's the trick. That's the tricky part. And so when I try to remind myself and remind her as well, that when you're in that position where you're like, uh, and you're, you're on the plane and you need, need to jump, but you're, you want to jump, but you're too scared. You're in the exact place you're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And it should comfort you to know that the same feeling that someone has when they're terrified and then they jump, you know, and then they take that leap. They, you know, they do that thing that you're, that you inside is pushing you to do that you're too scared, what if I fail, what if people laugh at me, what if I can't, you know, get it together, whatever, that way quicker than you'll ever realize, you'll be looking back mm-hmm. at where you were and being like, I can't believe it took me so long to, to do that, right. you know, or to take that step or to take that leap of faith or, and your perspective changes and then all of a sudden it, it builds you and strengthens you and supports you to, to do it again. And yeah. And something that he says to me all, all the time, he's, he's said it to me several times, even recently with big decisions that I've made and that we've made, is that if you feel equal parts nervous and excited about mm-hmm. something, then it means you should probably do it. Oh, I love that. That's, the only, that's one of the only things I've learned in life. Is uh-huh. like if I feel 50% terrified and 50% excited at the same time, then I'm right where I need to be. If I feel only terrified, then it's probably, I'm probably in a haunted house or I'm probably <laughs> scuba diving. Like, you know, the things that I don't get enough excitement out of, right. just just my composition, uh-huh. the things that I don't, I'm not as excited about. You can only be excited about so many things in life. But but if you have all fear, then you, you don't need to worry about it. Don't stress yourself out about it. Uh-huh. If you have all just pleasure and excitement, then you're indulging and it's like a plate of cookies or McDonald's or, right? Because there's no fear there. You're just like, oh, I'm going to kill this McDonald's. <laughs> there's like, the, that's indulgence and it's just based on your excitement. But when you're in a place where you're like, 
this could go bad or like but i'm like oh i don't know i've got that feeling where it's like but what if it's like that's where the energy is Mm -hmm. and so like that's one of the few things i think i've taken from life where i try to share with other people is like you know but i'm scared but it's what i want to do but i'm i'm like yes this is perfect like exactly you don't realize where you're where you're supposed to be right now that's a great way to recognize it when both of those are coming together and I mean, I, and ever since he started saying that to me, now it's easier for me to identify those potential opportunities that I should go after then, mm-hmm. like moving to the West Coast or moving into an Airstream or taking a new job. Like if, if I feel excited about it and a little nervous about it, then it means I'm, I'm in the right place. So. Yeah. So are there some projects that you're individually or together going to be working on while you're traveling? We talked about a blog. Oh! And actually, we didn't... I mean, we talked about just doing one for our friends and family because they're like, oh, I want to follow your adventures, you know, that kind of thing. And um, But then other friends of ours are like, oh my gosh, you guys have to start a blog. It's like, <laughs> totally, people will love it, and they're trying to market us, and, you know, that gets you thing. And... You know, I mean, I get intrigued by something like that. I'm like, hmm, I've thought about it and thought about domain names and things like uh-huh. that. But I'm like, how are we going to have time to do any of that? Maybe the best thing is to just focus on doing it for fun and have it be there for our friends and family. And if by some stroke of luck it turned into something more, we might, you know, we'd be like, okay, that's fine too. Yeah, we've definitely but, been talking about it and trying to figure out, well, what? What's the angle? What's what our... would we do? <laughs> what would we write about? What would we say? And I mean, I work in marketing and it, and it's funny because a lot of my friends who work in marketing too, all of us say like our own social media presence are usually terrible because we're spending so much time working on that for our clients. Mm -hmm. So I doing that for ourselves would be something that like, I don't even do for myself personally. So it would Mm -hmm. be, it would be something entirely new that we would have to dedicate time and energy to, but and it's like, I just like, I don't want the, what we're doing to be, you know, like experience Mount Rushmore. Don't just like take pictures or, or right. Or take right. Instagram stories, right. like right. be there. Yes. And I don't want all this to, you know, be us like setting up food every restaurant we go to and that kind of <laughs> stuff. But at the same time, it seems ridiculous not to capture it as a moment in time, um, as a record in time for our friends and family. So, um, it seems like we'll probably do something. Yeah. It seems like. It seems like the most authentic way to go about it for us, too. I mean, that's really why I want to share it, because I want to show my parents and and my friends and, and everything what we're up to and where in the world Ashton and Allie are. Oh, um, there it is. <laughs> like, what, like, the thing I wrestle with, too, is, and maybe you would have an opinion here, like, it feels like that I don't know what what are we offering to the world by starting a blog? Like, yeah. I think it's like, yes, we're in, like, like, Ooh, we're in different cities and Ooh, you know, we live in Airstream and, 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 but I mean, it just depends on perspective, I guess. Sometimes when you're here and you're with people that do it, you don't feel like you're as Doesn't unique feel novel. Yeah. or novel. Like yeah. it's like, well, everyone here is doing that and everyone here is an entrepreneur and everyone here is doing incredible, like ridiculously amazing things or trying to. And so I'm like, well, why does the world care anyway? You know, like they've got their own things to worry about. And mm-hmm. so I don't know what the focus or the angle would be. I mean, we have a dog and a cat, and it's, I guess it's cute, you know? <laughs> um, and we could take a bunch of pictures and stuff, but I, I, don't, I don't know. I've never had a blog before, so I'm not really sure how it works. Yeah. 
we just make it about them. We're in the world of Sadie and Loda. I guess so. <laughs> I think it would be really inspiring for people that want to make that jump Interesting. to everywhere and everything and, you know, are in their cubicle maybe, just miserable and I could never do that, but just slowly taking baby steps, reading each blog post. Um, well, I guess I that'd be very inspiring. That's true because like what you said is surround yourself with more people that if you're afraid to do something, then surround yourself mm-hmm. with more people that don't live the step-by-step life and that and that live more of the type of life that you might want to be a part of. And I guess if you did have a presence online or the people that do have presences online that are, are me encourage other people to take those steps because in a way virtually they're surrounding themselves with people like that does that make sense yeah 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 totally i like the authentic dog barking (laughs) cue the dog we mentioned a lot of dogs here right (laughs) it's the best we love doggies yeah i fully support it i think if you're still feeling the excitement when you're posting i mean i'm sure you'll be able to gauge is this fun is it not I read about it a little bit, and it's like, um, it's like the average blog post is about three and a half hours, and da da da. I was just like, holy! Like every day, I'm like, I'm trying to run a startup and climb a mountain with my company and do all this, and I don't even know have time to exercise every day. And like, how am I gonna add another thing? You know? <laughs> do you want to talk about your startup? I would love to hear. Um, sure. I guess it's a restartup. It's we're actually 11 years old this summer business is called rock salt and we do music for ads our focus is on middle-sized agencies up-and-coming cities and the creatives at those in those cities and in those agencies that help cities to grow and thrive so um, we're less concerned with you know the big uh, players in New York and LA and Chicago and and where we came from you know we came from Orlando which I know it's a bigger city, but but really it's not. Um, and the scene there in the creative world is very quaint, and everyone knows each other and switches, you know, jobs and agencies and all this. And you get to know. One of the things I've noticed over the years is that it's really cool how creative directors and broadcast producers and all these people that are just you think are just making commercials and convincing people to buy things for other for other people's dreams um, are actually very passionate about their cities, and they're very passionate about. Um, a lot of the projects they get to take on and the differences they get to make. And, um, and so that's one of the things that as we, we put Roxxon on hold for three years to come out here and do this project with Tony in downtown Vegas and, and literally set it to the side and, and then dug it out of the weeds after that three year stint. And we're like, well, what do we, we had a chance to dream it all up again. And we're like, well, the first time around, it was just about get a job, write the music for the commercial, get paid, do it again. Mm-hmm. And I think this time around we're like, well, you know, could it be about something a little more meaningful? And how would you do that if what you do, you're essentially a music house. We're a music house. We write music for commercials. Like, there's really not much to it, but but the more we dig into it, the more we um, peel back the layers, I think we realize that, you know, we've gotten to be a part of, of um, the growth of a city and the growth of a portion of a city and seeing community develop and, and experiencing, you know, um, growth and, and, and development all around us and, and people you know charging forward after their dreams and things and we come from a city where where we built our business out of orlando in the southeast united states not you know new york and la and chicago like i mentioned so so as we're rebuilding this this business 
the more we talk about it, the more we love this focus of uh, being about the people that work in this industry and not about convincing the people that they need to work with us because we're awesome and our work's awesome. Um, this idea of, of being more of a guide than a hero, I guess, where, you know, like, the, like everyone, everyone's their own hero, right? So, like, it's, I've realized over the years it's kind of annoying when someone in a business comes to you and, and wants to tell you how awesome they are because they want you to work with them, and they just make it about themselves. And what an interesting spin if you could actually have a meeting or send an email or outreach or connect with someone and let them know that you're actually really interested in what they do or that you're not just trying to um, convince them to give you money. Mm -hmm. And it's like real, more about real relationship and more about a different experience and that ultimately and ironically leads to, I think, getting work and trust and, and the kinds of things that people want to have when they have working relationships with one another, not just, you know, oh, they're great, so let's do business with them. Like, I think there's something in the human spirit that wants to be generous to people you trust, and trust takes real-time relationships. So it's sort of like, well, what do you do to build that in a real way so that people are cheering each other on instead of just saying, like, how can I convince them with a sales right. tactic <laughs> right. to, you know, give us the next big campaign? So that's something we're really pushing forward with and, and like I said, peeling back layers and just refining. But um, but ultimately, that's what the startup is about. And we're also, we have a band that kind of came out of this whole thing called Rabbit with an exclamation point. And it's a tremendously happy, friendly, uh, kid-friendly band that's a lot of fun that also does a lot of uh, work with TV and commercials and stuff. So. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like that's where your listening comes in when you're working with brands to to be authentically interested and yeah yeah i i don't know i i think when i go into a meeting for the first time i'm less worried about my pitch and i'm more worried, more concerned with i want to hear the other person's story mm-hmm. i guess everyone that comes in you know it's like okay you know it's a screening so the whole you know or 10 people gather around a table and you you bring starbucks so that they'll pay attention and you present your thing and you're like is my thing good enough mm-hmm. and for me, I've realized without knowing it, I think that one of the things I do and that now I want our company to be more about, even more focused on, is the idea of, of hearing someone else's story and engaging with someone and saying, hey, like, oh, I see the guitar over there in your corner of your office. Like, that's cool. Do you play guitar? You're from, oh, you're from Michigan? That's cool. Like, you know, uh, my you know, my tour manager's from Michigan. What part? Highland near Detroit? Yeah, cool. You know, we have a connection there. And like connecting with someone in the real way. You know, I did that not too long ago in some meetings in Atlanta and I got an email back and the guy was like, that was so refreshing. Like, as opposed to the chest beating, you know, <laughs> look at me thing uh-huh. we normally get. And it was great to just hang out. And and then, you know, a week later, he's like, hey, man, uh, you know, I was thinking of a way to work you guys in for some jobs, whatever. You know, people want to be generous and mm-hmm. find ways to be generous with people that they that they like and that they don't just feel like want things from them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm which ultimately you end up getting things from them. So it's really weird irony, I guess. Yeah. I can see you doing that when you go to different towns, just engaging with different people and listening to their stories, maybe incorporating it into your blog. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's one of the things that I'm really excited about with the way that we're doing this whole adventure is going in and actually setting up and and living a mini life um, and doing our normal day-to-day life in these cities is 
for me, I've always loved to travel, but being a tourist is not the same as getting to know the people mm-hmm. that are in a place and, and really understanding what life is like there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's something that I always struggle with when I think about like, oh yeah, I'm going to go to Thailand for two weeks or something. You ever, everyone wants to go to Thailand for two weeks and it's like, okay, but you know, what are you going to do? Like, what am I, I want to get something out of it and feel like I've gotten to know real people there and, mm-hmm. and learned something and seen something and under and come to understand a culture that I didn't before I went. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it, we're starting our adventure here in the United States because we have a dog and a cat right. <laughs> um, and we want to bring them with us. And I feel like even here, there's so much of, of our own country that I haven't had a chance to see yet. And I'm, I'm excited to go to these places and set up camp and, and meet real people and, and understand what life is really like in these different parts of our own country. Yeah, I've been everywhere in this country, but really most of what I've seen has been 7-Elevens, the inside of hotel rooms and music venues. So I can tell you which cities I like the best based on that information, (laughs) but I haven't spent a ton of real time in those cities either. I was just thinking, going back to the listening thing, what's interesting about this is that you probably don't have too much trouble getting people to agree to interview because in the end you want to learn more about our story so we're happy to talk about it because it feels good to have someone interested in your story yeah which is why we're talking so much especially me (laughs) at the same time i'm gonna wait for that helicopter to go by you mentioned being a little um introverted Mm -hmm. which i i say i'm a social introvert and i i feel like it there's a little common thread not with everybody that i've known and tiny spaces but I'm trying to think what the the connection is with small space living and being a little more uh, enjoying time alone mm-hmm. yet very social so there's such a fascinating balance to that and maybe it is the little cocoon that we like to retreat to I don't know if you noticed that as well yeah I mean definitely and, and he and I are very different in that way <laughs> He's definitely an introvert. I am, I'm, I guess technically I'm an extrovert, but it's because I get my energy from, from things going on around me and Mm -hmm. from the outside world, but I am also painfully shy. So for me, social situations are, are interesting because I have a really hard time like approaching people and starting conversations yet I'm energized by being in a social situation mm-hmm. so it's kind of odd and we've been talking we've talked about that some too because it's it's like the the great thing about being here is the fact that there is a community element and we can step out of the airstream and we can go to the kitchen or hang out by the fire and there are going to be other people there and and we're all part of this community so everyone's very welcoming and and everything like that but then once it's too much you can go back to your mm-hmm. own space and and even though I'm an extrovert I need that too because I am so shy and, mm-hmm. and quiet whereas he needs it for a, a different reasons because he's introverted yeah I just I was talking to Dylan um do you know Dylan mm-hmm. Jones um 
at the kids brunch on Sunday and we were discussing introvert and extrovert and I had I had this weird visual that I was running by him and we were, we we riffed on it a little bit it was kind of funny I was like wow wouldn't it be interesting if everyone in the room had these little meters on top of their heads and it was based on like it was like little gas tanks or something like a digital little thing up here above your head like a light bulb but it was a gas tank kind of looking thing and for extroverts it was like going up and then the introverts it's like going down and then you know it hits red and then like you know he and i both being introverts were like well okay you know we've got to go to our respective yes. pods yes, and I regroup yes. and then he talked about how he's like, he's like wait a minute he's like and by, by the way he's a brilliant guy so it's just like yeah. coming up with these quick little things i was like that's so funny he's like he's like wait Allie's an extrovert and i'm an introvert so what you're saying is her gas tank's going up by talking to me and mine's going down is she taking my you know <laughs> is she taking my uh, my the gas social gas from me and i'm like wow maybe she is and, and then we realized wait that can't be the case because if two introverts are talking they're both just going down yeah. <laughs> um and if two extroverts are talking they're both just going up so somehow it, yeah. it the, we were trying to figure out whether there is a finite amount of whatever this is or whether you could actually create it. Yeah. And I think you must be able to create it because extroverts get together and they're in groups and it's just like, let's just face it, annoying <laughs> to us introverts. Because <laughs> it's just they, 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 they feed off each other, right? They love it. And like, to me, like if the party gets too big, my, I'm just like nose diving. And I can hang on, hang on, hang on. And then I'm like, it's almost like becoming hangry. You know that mm-hmm. feeling you're like, I'm mm-hmm. too hungry, I can't make good decisions? Like, I mean, I remember being with a group of friends at the beach in L.A. This is one of the big standouts I've had in the last couple of years, but as an introvert, a bunch of new friends, I had to meet them all at the same time. I'm like, oh, you know, and at some point I was laying on the beach and I'm like, pretending like I'm asleep, you know, and laying there sun, like, so no one will talk to me and I'll talk to anyone. And at some point she's like, babe, she's like, you got really quiet. She's like, here you're right. I'm like, we need to go home. <laughs> we need to go. Like, that's all I need to say. It's just like... I've got to recharge like a like a Tesla, you know, <laughs> plugging it. it back in. It's funny because sometimes we'll be there. Will be a brunch or something happening, and and we'll be out there, and he'll talk to everybody because this, you know, he was here first, and and so he knows everyone, and I'm still getting to know a lot of people um, in downtown Vegas, and I I'm still meeting new people all the time here, and so we'll be at brunch for two hours he'll talk to 15 people i'll mostly be quiet or i'll talk to a few people um but then we'll get back to the airstream and i my energy will be going through the roof because i'm an extrovert and i just filled up my tank and he'll be like i need to take a nap (laughs) that's amazing we're so different that way i i haven't thought of extroverts being shy before that's yeah, what's also weird is our balance because, and we realized this only about a month or two ago because she talked about this idea of being an extrovert but being painfully shy. And I was like, wow, what a terrible, uh, what a terrible deck, you know, dealing you got. Like, to, to be stuck with this want, you're constantly on the plane and needing to jump off, like in a social situation, right? Yeah. Like, you need what that brings you, but you have to get from here to there to do it. And that seems like it, it's like uh, torture in a way, but. But it's an interesting combination because I think in small spaces, in small groups, one-on-one, like, I thrive on that mm-hmm. type of conversation mm-hmm. as an introvert. And I am happy to take lead or to kind of break down that barrier a little bit, introduce her, lift her up in a way that she feels more comfortable, um, and then help her break through that space. And then, she, you know, worry about after that or whatever. Like, I can do that for her. But then on the other, the flip side, if we're in big groups or whatever, she can kind of just be the person that sort of... T- 
brings me along uh-huh. because I'm like, oh god, I get, you know, <laughs> and 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 uh, you know, I don't know. Every now and then I do okay, I guess, but for the most part, it takes a lot. I mean, but I think together we we we're a strange but but functional balance of socially. Being in the park works really well because everyone is so like this is our community everyone wants to get to know one another everyone wants to spend time together and and so it's a very like warm and welcoming feeling to walk into the public areas of the park because everyone is kind of like happy to see you mm-hmm. you don't necessarily for me I don't have to make it over the hump of <laughs> of being shy and, and and how do I start a conversation every time I walk into the kitchen because everyone is kind of doing that for me and and I think too that once here in this community once you're open about stuff like that people remember and they want they want to help and they want to make you feel comfortable and and like you're part of the family so it's a great this type of like community style living is really great for that type of stuff I agree I was just thinking of a weird analogy. I'm obsessed with analogies, by the way. Yeah, good. <laughs> when you're here at the park and you meet someone new and it lowers the barrier to entry because that's generally because we probably all feel like if you see someone new and they're at the park or they're making food or whatever and you don't know them, it's a little easier because you kind of feel like, well, they're here for a reason and I'm here for a reason. So there's kind of a belonging. There's sort of a, I don't know, there's a feeling that I get where I'm like, well, I haven't talked to, I've seen that person around a lot, and I haven't talked to them, but it's easier for me to just start a conversation. It's like, well, they're, they're here, and so that makes it more okay for me for some reason. But, like, wouldn't it be, and being very globally, like, whatever, but, like, but what an interesting concept to bring out into the world space. Like, you meet someone and be like, oh, well, you're here for a reason on Earth, just like I'm here for a reason. But I don't really think that a lot of times. Well, that's what I was going to ask, if you have a strategy because you're both so into community from being here and other experiences when you are traveling I'd love to hear a strategy about connecting with other people right now it's nationally and you know eventually internationally but is it going to coffee shops is it um, introducing yourself or how how do you see yourselves kind of navigating new spaces and connecting with new communities question and I don't know that we've fully figured that out yet I think there's going to be some kind of trial and error and figuring out as we go with that but I know in Denver we have a couple of friends so I'd say in a lot of the cities that we're going to we know at least one person Mm -hmm. and that's probably where I'll start is with that person and then and having them be kind of that first step of getting into the community and and meeting other people and and kind of taking it and building it up from there for Ashton I know that he something that he's talked about that I think is going to be really phenomenal is in how he's going to how you want to approach those conversations with people that you're talking to at different agencies about their city and what they love about their city and everything like that and really connecting with them on that level I think it's a great idea and it probably will also help with that plus when I'm in some, when I'm somewhere new and this is probably just from touring for so long if there's a when you go somewhere new I always feel like 
it's easier to talk to people because you're like, look, I'm not from here. Right. Kind of like, <laughs> where do I, you know, what's great here? Who are you know? Right. And it's easy to assume that someone's going to be like, oh man, you're new. Like, yeah, well, let me give you the rundown because it empowers them to say, guess what I know. Right. You know, and you're kind of like, I don't know anything. And I think that's an interesting and easier place to start. So, you know, I'll quickly probably warm up to baristas or retail workers, or it's easy to kind of be like, hey man, like da da, shoot, you know shoot the breeze with them whereas if we're in LA or you know and we go to the Grove and go to Banana Republic or something I'm making things up and and you know I'm less likely to be like want to know their story because I'm like well you know I live here you live here and it's a giant mess of a city and oh well I'm gonna go home now (laughs) but like you go somewhere new and you're like okay you know this is super fresh and it feels right and you're wide-eyed right yeah and you're kind of like yeah so tell me like like, oh yeah, we're from, what are you doing? And you can kind of share your story. It might be the way in, too, besides, like, the agency thing. And plus, a lot of the cities that we're going to to go on in this adventure, because we want to go to cities that align with his his strategy of, of wanting to reach these markets that aren't the biggest markets like L.A., Chicago, New York, they're going to be those cities where people are probably more excited and open to sharing things about their own city whereas in LA everyone's from somewhere else mm-hmm. <laughs> and you visiting LA isn't surprising to the barista that you're talking to you know like whereas when we go to Denver or to Phoenix or to you know Portland or wherever it's it's not people aren't as jaded hopefully <laughs> in in that regard and so it'll it'll be nice to make connections that way I had another analogy, but I'm not going to share it. Oh, you've mentioned it. You better share it now. Tim Ferriss said, when you do, when he does interviews, and it's when he's seeking to do an interview with, he uses an Olympian as an example. He says he recommends getting in touch and reaching out to the silver medalist because everyone goes after the gold medalist and the gold medalist doesn't have time for anybody because they're so inundated with everyone wanting to talk to them but the silver medalist is an olympian and an olympic you know uh, a medal winner that may have not won the gold by 0.002 seconds uh therefore just as talented and just as incredible with just an amazing story to tell and to me when i think of like these cities and these agencies and these creatives i think like oh yeah you know and as far as ad agency goes I'm like oh you know you're not at BBDO and you're not at 72 and Sunny and you're not at the you know the big names that are doing Apple and Nike and all this but you're just as creative you're just as you know and no one's and maybe not as many people are saying are lifting you up and coming to you and saying like hey I want to know your story and like this is awesome what you guys are doing here and I think everyone's clamoring to get the next you know Apple commercial at least as far as music is concerned and Uh that's kind of what know i notice in my industry and so while everyone's kind of going this way i think we're gonna zag instead of zig and going towards the silver yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i like that plan and silver becomes silver gold silver medal winners often become gold medal winners there it is well that's not just in terms of agencies you're in doctor that's in terms of the cities the cities themselves sure i mean to see Orlando, how Orlando's grown is, is incredible, and, and especially, you know, to be a part of the Vegas, what's happened downtown over the last five years, and what will continue to happen, is incredible. Mm-hmm. So what are some of those cities? You mentioned a few, but um, can you go down your list of the ones that you know so far that you'll visit? Yeah, so the first one is Denver, and then 
We are thinking Phoenix and Salt Lake City, and then we're going to go up into Canada to Vancouver. Oh, beautiful. Um, and then we're going to make our way back down the West Coast and stop in Seattle and Portland. And then we may pick another California city to be determined. Mm. Um, and that's all we have on our <laughs> in our plans so far, but it's all very much a rough outline. Mm. Um, but we're definitely starting out west, um, and then we'll work our way around the rest of the country. Yeah, I think if we if we get sick of it, we'll stop at any given moment. And if we are addicted to it and love it, then we'll probably continue on the east coast next year. Oh, nice. Do a lot of the same, but on the east coast. Um, We'll see. I don't know. We'll see when we run out of juice and enthusiasm, I yeah. suppose. But. There are also some Midwestern cities I really want to go to. Oh, which one? Which I, um, well, I briefly went to Minneapolis and St. Paul um, a few years back, and I thought they were awesome. And so that's, that's a place that I would love for us to go and spend some time. I've also heard some things about, like, Detroit and... And um, Ann Arbor. I have a really good friend of mine who lives in the... You're going everywhere, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and then how are you selecting the Airbnbs that you'll stay? What's Is there a certain criteria for each or just one that kind of pops out when you do your search? Um, must love dogs. Good. They that's number to, one. Yeah, they have to allow pets. I'd say that that's our number one criteria. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think just uh, in most places we're getting... Uh, I think we're looking for two bedrooms because we like the idea of being able to have guests or like if her mom wants to come out and stay for a long weekend or you know if my parents want to come in or if we have friends that are coming through town that's always kind of fun uh, to be able to put them up and stuff but otherwise I think we're pr- we're just connecting with a space you know that we feel like uh, ties in with our you know, our style and what we like and we certainly have a budget um, <laughs> we actually what we are doing is we're taking what we would have spent on rent in LA mm-hmm. and we've turned that into like a fund of sorts and that's kind of how we're going to determine what we can spend, what our allowance is um, for the places that we stay it's based on whatever Smart. we have. So if we save that's a little bit nice. like uh, you know maybe the cost of living is a, isn't quite as high in Phoenix as it is in Vancouver I'm making things up I don't even know but if we do that then we're able to roll that extra money into like uh, a nicer place or uh-huh. or a place that's maybe more expensive for the next mm-hmm. go around but the the thought that we had was you know well there's not really a reason for us to be in LA so how could we kind of use what we're spending for our cost of living and our rent in Los Angeles to do something that we would get a little bit more out of the whole idea kind of was born. I love your plan. And then we found out it already has a name. Yeah. <laughs> Someone called it anyway. So I thought it was digital nomad. Oh yeah. But I guess there are a few. I think there's a difference by definition. And I can't remember what it is. Yeah. Digital nomad. Might be more programming and graphic designers and. It actually might be shorter term, shorter time spent in places. I'm not sure. There's yeah. something. There's something about many lives that's saying calling itself unique by saying you're you're spending 
at least a certain amount of time, like three weeks, four weeks, a month, two months, and you're doing normal life in a different city, mm-hmm. and then you're going to go do that same thing in a different city. Yeah. Versus I, I'm, I think being a digital nomad is just more about the travel aspect. Uh-huh. Constantly being on the road. Got it. And traveling from one place to another. Um, whereas living a mini life is like he said, it's you kind of are being more stationary just for short amounts of time and seeing right. what real normal life would be like versus like as a visitor. Well, so I'll, I'll read you the definition of digital nomad since there are no questions in the world. Uh, <laughs> on here on, uh, I use Bing. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. This is probably Google. (laughs) I'm on my phone. Digital nomads are a type of people who use telecommunications technologies to earn a living and more generally conduct their life in a nomadic manner. Such workers often work remotely from foreign countries, coffee shops, public libraries, co-working spaces, or recreational vehicles. So I guess there's a lot of overlap there, but not necessarily the same thing. Yeah. So it's people that work remote, right? People that work remote from wherever they want, whenever they want. Yeah. And we are that... And Already. we're going to live a mini life. <laughs> I like that there are no rules of what you can do. I mean, it's changed so much over the course of generations. I, know. I remember now her sister, her younger sister, she's five years younger than Alessandra is. And one of the recent conversations, I think, on the phone we had with her, she was like, I want to work remote. <laughs> like just because she has a normal job where you go to a place and work and and for her it's just like wait a minute like I don't have to do like I think a lot of millennials and a lot of up and coming generations it's going to be like there's going to be more of a feeling of entitlement of like we don't have to do this mm-hmm. you know like we could, and, and then companies have to grow up and change and too because mm-hmm. this, this you know like well, that's it, part of the growth whether of the they like it or not right like, yeah you have to grow with the times, and the times are our, our culture and our people want to be able to work from where they want, when they want, and what an incredible, who said this the other day, it's like, wouldn't it be amazing if, it was someone that has a place they have to go to. Were you there in this conversation? Yeah. I don't know if it was Dylan or someone, but they were saying how they're, well, they, they're like, oh, that, they were, I was telling them about our story, and they're like, oh, that sounds amazing, I wish I could do that, but obviously I can't because I, and whatever it was they do, was specifically tied to a specific location. I can't remember if it was their hairstylist. I can't remember if they were a doctor or dentist or whatever it was. I wish I could remember. The dentist. It was the dentist. Was the dentist? Mm-hmm. Oh, it was a dentist. Mm-hmm. Who was it? You went to the dentist. And... I was at the dentist. Yeah. And he said that. That's right. Yeah. He was like, I can't. And he was like, well, that'd be great. I wish I could do that. And he's like, you know, here at the place he goes every day. And I was just thinking like, well, don't give up so easy, man. You know? Like, can, I don't know. Like, Can't he rent space and bring his tools and just yeah. go to a... I mean, I don't know what the laws and rules are, but dentist? this looks like a cool space for a dental office. Oh, gosh. Just got wheels. You yeah. know what I mean? Why yeah. Not? Or build an app where you go to people's houses to do their dental work. Why not? Right. Like, well, there's the dentist um, a Turntable Health a while back. Oh, there Remember was? That? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that would show up. That's right. He yeah, in the remote. RV. Yeah, so right. it's, uh, hey, it's possible. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know if he possible. toured around, but hey. Hmm. Well, now, I mean, that's, they talk about that part of the reason for the growth of the whole gig economy right is people want to have ultimate flexibility and freedom and they don't want to have to go to a place every day and they realize well I can work for myself and do the same things that I'm doing working for these companies that aren't offering me the flexibility and the opportunity to, to work on the types of projects I want to work on and so more and more people are getting into the idea of, of 
the gig economy and taking freelance work so that they can build their lives the way they want them. Mm-hmm. Why not? We have, there's endless opportunity to do that now. So It's true. The place is really cute. It's 1967. Wow. It was it's, a good year. Did you read it? <laughs> I did. I did. It's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Where can people find out more about you two? Wifewithally.com. <laughs> We're both on Instagram. I'm at downtown Ashton. She's Allie Cat V. A L E Y C A T V. And when you look at it, you'll think it says Allie Cat TV. Do you want to hear my Carrie Grant impression before we go? Of course. See, I'm an introvert, but I'm also a performer, so if you put a microphone. <clears throat> okay. Sometimes it's good, and sometimes it's not that good. <sighs> I'm going to shower, shave, and take you out for a lavish lunch. That's <laughs> all I got. I know. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining me. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to rate and review and subscribe on iTunes, on Home Small Home, please do. I'd so appreciate it. And big appreciation and shout out to Socialista for podcast editing and Sonia Barcelona for our beautiful intro music and outro. Thank you.